we can be with God. We can be with Jesus in our daily lives as we seek him in his word, as we gather together to hear his word and to sing praises, even as we receive his very body and blood here in a moment. We can be with Jesus. And if our lives are centered on him, if our time is spent with him, he will show us people around us who need radical love and mercy and kindness and maybe even healing. And when we're with Jesus and we live our lives centered on him and with him, we get to see the power he has to bring healing to those who are hurting. Even if for now, it may or may not be miraculous. We get to see it. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. We are in the middle of a series where we're looking at the Acts of the early church. The, the book of Acts, which is all about what Jesus did after his ascension, the story of Jesus moving through his people, the very reason why we 2,000 years later can stand here to, or sit here today and believe in this good and faithful God. And last week we read an absolutely incredible story for those of you who weren't able to join us and hear the story, let me catch you up briefly. Peter and John are on their way to the temple like they did every day. And on their way to the temple, they're gathering or they're going to pray and to hear God's word and to sing songs. And there's a man who's been carried by his friends and laid just outside of the temple on the porch. And this man had been lame from birth and he's begging because that's how you survived if you were lame. You begged and hoped that somebody else would care for you. And so this man was brought there and laid there on the way to the temple and Peter and John were on their way in and this man begs them for money. And Peter stops him, says, look at us. He gives them the dignity and the honor of saying, you are acknowledged. And the man looks expecting to receive some silver or some gold or something for his daily bread. And Peter says the most spectacular thing. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man does. It's this incredible scene where everybody is stirred because then he's going into the temple for the first time in his life, dancing and leaping and praising, celebrating all that God had done because now he can finally walk. And I love the boldness of Peter to pray, get up and walk. 
Because if it hadn't worked, he would have looked kind of foolish. He would have looked really silly, but he didn't care. He had seen what Jesus had done. He had heard what Jesus had promised. And he looked at this man and said, get up and walk. And the man's ankles and feet were strengthened as he stood. And this incredible act of mercy and kindness and grace and power of God, this incredible miracle is only rewarded one way. For those of you who, like me, like musicals, perhaps you're familiar with the phrase from Wicked, no good deed goes unpunished, right? Peter does this spectacular thing. Well, Peter doesn't really do it. Jesus does it. Peter's just faithful to follow what Jesus has already said and commanded, and now this man is leaping and dancing and rejoicing, and the powers that be don't like it. In fact, as the story continues, what we're about to read is the powers that be, those who are in charge, actually get angry because this healing proves that something about what they believe and how they live is wrong. Maybe you've experienced that, not necessarily miraculous healings, though perhaps, but maybe you have done something kind and gone out of your way to show love and demonstrate mercy and serve those who are oppressed and care for those who are suffering injustice, and those who are in power don't like that it's upsetting their way of being. Acts chapter 4. Feel free to follow along in the Bibles in your pews on page uh, 1138. If you have your phone, just type in Acts. If you have your own Bible, it's the fifth book of the New Testament, but I don't know what page it's on. Acts chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, if you don't know who the Sadducees are, the Sadducees were the uh, priests assigned with the temple duties. They were the ones responsible for making sure the temple is well kept and well cleaned and also making sure that sacrifices were properly being administered and, and making sure that those who were there were there according to the way God commanded. So it was also their job to determine those who could not be there, those who were to remain outside because they weren't deemed holy enough or righteous enough to come into the presence of God. And not only this, they were often tasked with the charge of maintaining civil order. So any kind of civil challenge or obstacle or thing like that, they would be the ones to speak up or to offer judgment and say, here's what you do in this situation and here's how you live in order to honor both God and the government we have to live under. And as a result, the Sadducees were people of high social esteem, right? You wanted to be in good favor with them so that if you had a civil dispute, they would solve it in your favor. You wanted to be in good favor with them so that when you came to the temple, they didn't turn you away and say, your lamb is not unblemished enough. Go and buy a different one. And these Sadducees come upon what has happened, this scene where everybody is rejoicing over a man who is healed. It says they're greatly annoyed. Why? Because they were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus 
the resurrection from the dead. They're not even annoyed about the healing. They don't really seem to care what has happened to this man who suffered his whole life. They're annoyed they're teaching something they don't like. You see, the Sadducees also believed that there was no life after death. For them, this life was the only life that mattered. There's no fate, there's no destiny, there's no heaven, there's no anything else later. And why was that so important for them to believe? Well, because if there's nothing that happens later, after death, this life is all that matters. And if this life is all that matters, there is no reason to lay your life down to serve another. Instead, this life you should be elevating. It should be more about what you can gain and what you can get and the status you can have. This isn't the first time the Sadducees have been annoyed about the preaching of the resurrection. In fact, they came against Jesus as well. And they came to challenge Jesus with a really dumb question, and Jesus calls it out. Don't worry, if you text in a question, I won't call it out, okay? Jesus calls it out. They, they come and like, hey, this lady was married, and then her husband died, and then she remarried, and it happened seven times. In the resurrection, who will she be married to? And Jesus like, you don't even get it. Like, you don't even believe in the resurrection. What does any of this matter? And then they go away annoyed that they couldn't figure out how to stump Jesus. And now Jesus isn't here, so they take the next best guess. All right, well, here's Peter preaching in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Let's just come after him. And they're annoyed. But many of those who had heard the word, oh, I skipped verse three. Here's what happens to Peter. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Cyphus, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? They're looking to figure out, how is this man healed? Can we replicate it? Can we profit from it? How did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what man or means this man has been healed? Let's just pause there for a moment. In their defense, they've been arrested overnight. They've spent the night in jail, in the holding cell, awaiting whatever's coming next. Did anybody in here spend a night in jail for something you didn't do? I haven't. I would really hate that. I imagine the whole night my brain would be filled with all kinds of reasons those people are wrong. Look at what they've done to me. Look at how they're going to ruin my reputation. How do I get them back and fix this? Peter and John have an opportunity, and he says, look, are we being questioned for doing something good? Like, have we done good to a man who was hurting? If so, if you want to know how we did it, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. I love 
Peter. When you read the Gospels, Peter is like myself getting it wrong over and over and over again. But thanks to Pentecost, it seems he's finally figured it out. With the power of God and the Holy Spirit in him, he speaks. He's like, hey, you know that Jesus like two months ago that you put to death? That one that you all cried out against? You're like, hey, we want him killed because we don't like what he has to say. And, And then, you know, the one that rose three days later and he tried to cover it up with a big lie? Do do you remember that? Yeah, that Jesus is the one who rose this man and gave him life. That Jesus is the one who healed this lame man. So what are you going to do about it? I just picture the whole crowd, right? When it's like, this Jesus whom you crucified, by the way, he healed this man. And I just picture everybody like, ooh, like what's going to happen next? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. See, when you're building a building, there's two different ways a cornerstone can be really essential. If you're building a brick building, first the cornerstone is the very first brick you lay, and if that's not perfectly square and exactly correct, the whole rest of the building will be screwed up. But also, This same cornerstone could be understood as a capstone. If you're building an archway, a little bit of physics tells you that the very center stone in the arch is what holds the whole arch together. And if you've ever seen any ancient Roman uh, buildings or roads or anything, they had arches everywhere. And Jesus had himself said when he was being questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they were seeking to arrest him, that he would be the cornerstone that would be rejected. The one they would say, you're not in line with what we think is right. You don't actually fit the picture we want to have. This cornerstone they would reject. Jesus said, that's that's who I am. And now Peter, citing Jesus, says, look, Jesus, this cornerstone who you rejected, or this, this stone that you've rejected, he has become the cornerstone, the foundation, the most important thing. And he goes on. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. A little fun play on words that we lose in English. Salvation comes from the same word that salve comes from, healing ointment. Look, there is no healing in anybody other than Jesus. So try as you might. Understand the law as much as you want. Fight about what matters or doesn't matter. Hold to your position that this life is the most important and therefore you can neglect whoever you want. You can oppress them for your own gain. But there is no healing in anybody other than Jesus. You can imagine if you were one in charge and in this place and being called out in front of the crowd, how you might respond completely passive, like, you're right, we're wrong, sorry, go about your business, keep doing what you're doing, right? Probably not. But instead, they see Peter and John. And this is the verse that we've centered our whole series around. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, these men look at Peter and John and say they have nothing of their own acclaim to cling to. 
They don't have great degrees and experience. They don't have years of practice and leadership. They have nothing worth following. They're just uneducated, common men. And yet something sets these two apart from all the rest of the crowd. They had been with Jesus. They had walked with him as he healed the sick and fed the hungry. They had been there as he cast out demons and as he preached about this kingdom where God the Father would come running after his children as he was there preaching about all this law and rules and things they'd held dear. It's being less important than the one who would lay down his life for another. These men saw that Peter and John had been with Jesus. And they took note. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. I love that too. Like how often do we try to defend what God is doing? When we, when we seek to act with justice and mercy and kindness to do good to somebody who's hurting, when we seek to go against the system and be unlike what everybody expects of us, and they call us to the fence, how often do we just allow our actions to speak for us, to do the work of defending us? No, instead, far too often I am guilty of needing to prove why I'm right or why I know the answers or to prove that I did the right thing instead of just letting the thing I did speak for itself. Do what is right, do what is loving, do what is kind and merciful, and let God do the rest. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? See, there's a problem at hand. If Peter and John claim that Jesus, who raised from the dead, healed this man, and if they go around telling people that this Jesus healed this man, people are going to begin to believe in this Jesus. And if people begin believing in this Jesus who calls them to this upside-down kingdom of laying down their life for another, of loving sacrificially as he loved, of giving everything as he gave, if they start doing that, the world as they knew it would no longer work. So they have a problem. What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Look, we can't deny what has happened. We can't change what has happened. We'll just tell you stop talking about it. We'll shake our fists and we'll threaten what could come if you continue doing what is right and good and merciful. It might be bad. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And again, Peter and John, uneducated, ordinary, common men, speak up. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. 
They literally had the job of judging what was right before God or not. The, the Sadducees and all of their group was responsible for maintaining who is doing what God has commanded. And Peter and John say, look, it's your job to judge what is right and wrong. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? You guys decide. Because either way, your answer gets you in trouble. If we have to listen to you, well, everybody else will say, isn't God the authority? And if we have to listen to God, you're confessing that what you're doing is against what God is doing. Are you okay with that? Who should we listen to, you or God? For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. In the Bible, 40 years is pretty significant. It shows up time and time again. There are 40 years in the desert, and Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness representing these 40 years, and 40 comes up over and over and over again. And they often identified one generation as lasting about 40 years. So it's really significant this man had been lame for almost 40 years, actually over 40 years. What they're indicating here to all of us is that there was a whole generation of people who had suffered injustice and a lack of mercy and a lack of kindness and care. They had suffered because they needed God to step in and heal and the very people of God were turning their backs on them. And yet God had done exactly what he promised to do. He brought healing to this man and the whole generation is stirred to say, now what? As we said, as Emily said earlier, sometimes we pray for healing and miracles and they don't happen. And, and as I said last week, sometimes we just refuse to pray because we're afraid they won't happen. But here's what I love about this story so much. They were ordinary, uneducated men. They were just like you and me we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the status. We don't know why God does what he does when he does it and why he doesn't do it when he doesn't. But you know what? Just like James, or just like John and Peter, just like these two, we can be with God. We can be with Jesus in our daily lives as we seek him in his word, as we gather together to hear his word and to sing praises, even as we receive his very body and blood here in a moment. We can be with Jesus. And if our lives are centered on him, if our time is spent with him, he will show us people around us who need radical love and mercy, and kindness, and maybe even healing. And when we're with Jesus, and we live our lives centered on him and with him, we get to see the power he has to bring healing to those who are hurting. Even if, for now, it may or may not be miraculous, we get to see it. They were ordinary, 
uneducated men. They'd been with Jesus. Imagine with me for a moment if we stopped needing to defend Jesus. If we stopped needing to defend people who don't believe in our God or the things he's done. In fact, there's plenty of people today who are not Sadducees by any means, but who believe the resurrection is just a really good myth and a good story. They believe that religion is just an opiate for the masses. It makes us feel better, but doesn't actually mean anything. And what if instead of trying to talk their way into heaven and trying to convince them what is true, we simply lived with Jesus in such a way that he began to bring healing to those around us who need it. We looked for those in need of mercy and we offered it. And unlike this world, we didn't live as if today is all that matters. But we lived as if there is an eternity that can never be taken from us. In an eternity that's not escaping this world, but actually this whole world is being remade new in his likeness. And what if we lived with our eyes so fixed on the promise of the resurrection that no matter what the cost today, being arrested for something we did or did not do, being challenged by people who don't like you because you're doing what's right when nobody else will, what if being so heavenly-minded made us of great earthly good, that we could change the very world around us for the people who need it most? Not because we have all the answers, but because we're ordinary, unschooled men, and we've been with Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the boldness of Peter and John. And we're not afraid of what these people of power could have done to them. They were not afraid of what could go wrong. They simply walked with you and saw what you had done and heard what you had said and shared with whoever would listen all that they had seen and heard. Teach us to be with you to center our days in the things that you have done, to believe in your promises even when we don't yet see them. May we fix our eyes on an eternity found in the resurrection of the dead, the life everlasting. God, that we may begin to transform this world today, not through persuasion, God, not through arguing, but through radical sacrificial mercy and love, giving whatever it takes for those who need your healing. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. If you're somebody who prefers to give with cash or check and you came prepared to give that way today, you can do so with the popcorn buckets in the back corners as you exit later today. If you fill out one of those physical connect cards in the pews in front of you or in the chairs around you upstairs, you can drop that in the popcorn bucket as well. Adam will be back there, and I forgot to ask, so I'll throw her on the spot right now. My wife, can, can you be back there, Laura? Uh, those two will be back there with popcorn buckets if you prefer to do that. Uh, she's really good at just jumping in when I throw her under the bus like that. Thanks. Um, if you came prepared to give electronically and you prefer to do so, you can do so online at thepointknox.com by clicking the little button in the bottom corner and selecting I'd like to give. 
However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. All right, so every week we invite questions, and you're welcome to text them in, and I'll do my best to respond. What questions came in this week? We had seven questions and comments. I know you have one that maybe came in midweek that you were going to address. We actually got one last week that we just didn't see, so yeah, I'll I'll address that one too. Do you want me to start there? Somebody asked about the Church of Latter-day Saints, the, the Mormon church. They have a separate scripture, and they said, is it okay for Christians to add new scripture? Uh, to what they believe. And I would say no, uh, for many reasons, but it talks about in Revelation that we shouldn't add or detract from anything God has spoken and said. Uh, Paul himself says in Corinthians, like, if anybody comes to you with a gospel different than what I have preached, don't listen to him. Even if an angel comes, don't listen to him. And so we have to be really careful with what we consider scripture and why we listen to it. Unfortunately for the Mormon church, Um, Mormons will tell you that they're Christian, but they're not. And they're not because the Jesus they believe in is fundamentally completely different than our Jesus. For example, he was not born God. He became God because he was good enough to become God. And you and I can become God if we're good enough as well in the Mormon church. That's very different than what we believe. And so it's important to just stick to uh, the 66 books. And there's some debate about the extra that Catholics sometimes use called the Apocrypha, but it's important to just stick to that and call it good. The first comment that came in this morning said, wow, worship was amazing. I cried, so moving. I really felt God's presence and comfort. Good job, y'all. Hey, yeah, awesome. The second, like it, says, what an absolute joy to worship with you all this holiday weekend in awe and so thankful, humbled to hear your all's voice lifted so loud. These come in anonymous. This person chose to identify themselves. It says, with love, Fletcher, the bearded guitar player dude. (laughs) (laughs) Fletcher, we love worshiping with you too. Absolutely. Okay, it says, uh, first question, how do you make yourself be nice to people who are mean to you even when you get angry? Jesus tells us perhaps the hardest thing to do, pray for those who persecute you. Um, And then we just do what Jesus did, right? When he was being led to the slaughter, he, like a lamb, was silent. He didn't defend himself, though he could have, and he should have. As the king of the universe, the one who reigns over everything, he certainly had all the power and authority and justness to say, hey, you're wrong and I'm right. And yet he sacrificially laid himself down for us. And so when people wrong you, it's okay to be hurt. And it's okay to set boundaries. And also, how do you love them when they're mean to you? You look at what Jesus has done, and you spend more time with him and let him bring you the healing you need and the strength you need to go and love people who really, truly don't deserve it. The next comment is actually from Emily. It's a clarification of a comment she made earlier. So she said, I would like to clarify when I said congratulations, I meant I'm proud of you all for being at church on a holiday weekend and definitely not pat yourself on the back for being Americans. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's okay to like your country too. Just don't idolize your country because this country isn't perfect and is certainly not the kingdom God has given us. Absolutely. Uh, the next is a question that says, if the high priest believed there was no life after death and, and this life was all we have to live for, why do they believe in praying to God uh, that they really don't believe in? So curious, what type of God do they, 
I think it says, do they pray to and what were they expecting? Yeah, they would pray to God for this life, right? So we make sacrifices to please God so that in this life things go well for us. So that perhaps for our children's children, things go well for them. Not because they believed there was life to come, but because in this life we want to make sure God blesses everything we do. Um, And so they were still praying to God the creator, our God, uh, God who cares for all of creation. They just thought once it's dead, it's dead and that's it. And so why waste your time thinking about the future when you can spend all your energy having your best life now? Uh, This question just came in. It says, what if the new scripture that is found was still written around the same time of the apostles? Although it was recently found, it's still the word of God. Would that be able to be added? Yeah, then we get into the question of how did the Bible come to be and what, how do we put it together as this is God's word and can there be new things that are found that are historically accurate and even theologically significant? Certainly. Uh, we have to be really cautious before adding scripture and I would strongly advise against adding scripture. Um, perhaps these new things you find that were written at the same time, if they're consistent with what scripture says, you can say, hey, that's a helpful tool to verify what Scripture already says, um, but I would not elevate it to the same level as Scripture. That's dangerous. Uh, This question says, hey, just wondering, what is y'all's stance on the LGBTQ plus community? That's a really loaded question um, because what is our stance uh, could imply a lot of things depending on what you're looking for. So here's what I'll say. I will say that every one of us is called to live our life consistent with what Jesus has told us, and sometimes that's really hard, and every one of us falls short, and so our stance here is to lead with love and to say, let's start by not looking at where you're, how you're living and what you're doing, but looking at who God says you are, and from there, as you walk with Jesus and you look at his word, you may find whether it's your identity and your sexuality or your identity in anything else, you may find ways that you are challenged, and we will walk with you and say, we don't have all the answers, and we don't know what to do next, and we don't know what this looks like in your life, but Jesus is worth it. Let's seek him. And and so this question I say is loaded because some people ask, wanting me to condemn those who are gay, and I I think you can be gay and follow Jesus. And there are people who want me in this question to say everything about the LGBTQ community is lovely, but they're not that homogenous. They're not all the same. Some things are not lovely, just like some things in the heterosexual community are not lovely. And so I can't just have an open blanket, here's one stance without having a meaningful conversation with you. What is your story and your hurt and your experience and your why? And from there, where's Jesus in all of that? All right. And you've offered in the past to have coffee and have lunch and Anytime. Talk about that, yeah. I will have coffee or lunch or grab a drink anytime. Well, not anytime. I have a family, so sometimes are not available. But anytime I'm available, I'll gladly, and I will have that conversation without the need to tell you what I believe or why you're wrong or convince you of anything to simply listen to what your life has been like and why this matters so much to you. All right? All right. One other. I think it's a comment. You're going to like it. Uh, last one. It says, so my husband was reading a devotion this past week and came across a fun tidbit that I wanted to share with you all. He learned that when Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon in 1969, he was given special permission to bring with him bread and wine. He was the first human in history to take communion. 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 
Well, that was a pretty good dad joke. Dad joke in the morning, yeah, so. yeah. Is that all of them? That's all that I saw, yeah. Awesome. Well, as always, you can text in a question anytime, and I will do my best to respond. And if my response, because these are anonymous, doesn't answer your question, please come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you uh, more in depth about the things you're wrestling with. Well, before you go, go with this blessing. Tony, what was that? Can, can you come talk to me afterwards, or is this for everybody? Okay, what is it, Tony? The theme for, oh, thank you. I was supposed to mention that. Uh, all summer long, we have been gathering on Wednesday nights at 6.30 for a potluck and then afterwards for some prayer. And this week's theme, we're doing burgers once again. So you bring a side dish to share, something that goes well with burgers and uh, something you'd like other people to enjoy. All right? There's always fresh food. Okay, yeah, they're fresh from a frozen box. Yeah. But we cook them on the grill right then and there. All right? Uh, I don't know if you know, the price of meat's gone up. Buying like freshly processed meat, that's expensive. Uh, sorry. You're welcome to bring fresh burgers for everybody if you'd like. All right. With that, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and look upon you with favor. May he be gracious to you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.